This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. I am sitting opposite my own personal matriarch. Do you have a personal matriarch? Mine is my mom. Hi, mom. Good to have you here. Hi, Rabbi Peretz. <laughs> Usually I start off with like an introduction to like what I'm talking about and what my theme is for the week. But I, uh, I realized that I can just bring you into the theme right away because I actually have a memory to share with you uh, about this podcast. You ready? Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So I learned how to express the concepts of the last six weeks in English from a specific book called My Omer, written by somebody, Simon Jacobson. And he took some of the mystical Hasidic heritage on the Omer that was inaccessible in the English language. So oftentimes there was a lot of mistranslation. And he spent decades working on the English translation and bringing it into reality. It's like when you, it's like another prism to light. I always really respect when somebody's able to take something that everybody struggles to explain and brings it into a deeper reality. And it still works. I ask people all the time, like, how do you explain compassion or dignity, which is going to be today's topic, dignity. And they have a hard time explaining what these things actually mean. So him having a calendar, my Omer, and explaining it has given me always a great foundation. And you were the one who brought it to the house. And you started reading it to me every night. And that's a, one of my early memories of the two mm. books that you used to read on a regular basis. One was from Maimonides, and the other one was this book, specifically this calendar. So it's appropriate that this seven weeks of these podcasts talking about these issues, that you're on week number seven here in Cali in my office talking about it. It's wonderful. I, I remember also reading from this book. Uh, at the end of the book, it asks you um, to sort of like bring it down in your daily life, how you can refine that character trait in your daily life. And I would just put it out at the table to my children and ask them to give me examples of how they could do this in their daily life. And sometimes there was dead silence, but <laughs> sometimes... Remind me, sometimes. all I remember is you reading from the book. I don't remember the experience. I was a little kid, but like it's clearly had enough well, you, impact you can't, that I'm you still can't using only, it. You can't only read from a book. You have to take that and turn it into daily practice. And that's specifically this book, uh, which right, teaches about you about refining all your, all your traits and exercises in how to do that. So I would try to give you and your siblings um, examples of daily life, school mostly, or inter-sibling relationships and how to apply the character trait of the day. And uh, Well, I, yeah. I appreciate you doing that for us because it's clearly made a difference to me. No question about it. This week um, is the seventh of the emotions, but this emotion is complicated because it really only emerges when other emotions are done right. It's the emotion of malchut. Malchut could mean sovereignty or nobility, royalty, kingship, but really the idea is an absolute idea because these are mystical ideas as it relates to God and the person. So to reduce it to just somebody who has power or a dictator is really a terrible way of describing what the concept of royalty is. No one would describe royalty or sovereignty as you're a dictator. No, that's what the word dictator's for. So obviously these words are interpersonal as it relates to you and the world outside you. And 
that's something that needs to be activated. So when somebody's rude to you, they activate your dignity the way it squeezes you and you're, it makes you uncomfortable. And then the, when somebody values you or gives you validation as an existence, even something super small, right? Sometimes somebody just is kind to you and you never see them again. But that moment gives you dignity because we each have this malchut that we activate when we do things in the open that activate other people's existence. And this happens both in your own psyche and in your own spirit and your own subconscious. And then it comes out to affecting others. And I'm pretty sure that the person who has the most dignity in my life is you because you brought such great value to your children. And for those who don't know, you're about to hear, you've been hearing the voice, but you haven't realized this is the voice of a woman who's had 11 children and made it look easy. Uh, How did you make it look easy? One at a time. One at a time. One at a time is... (laughs) Um, how do you make it look easy? Um, I tell people that the the main thing is really you have to, each kid needs something different. And when you can figure out what they need and you can give it to them, it doesn't have to be for three hours in a day. It could just be for three minutes of a day. And if you can figure out what they need and give it to them, then you can have happy children. That's the hard part is figuring out what each child needs. Well, that's, I think that's what dignity is, thinking about what other people need, ultimately being specific about, or the intention about what you want to do for the other person. I mean, we're saying essentially that you can't really activate your love with somebody else until you raise them up with dignity. When the person feels dignified, then they can also feel your love. We're talking about obviously sustainable love. And the same with discipline or compassion or endurance, humility, all these emotions we've been talking about, they all come back to this idea that to engage it with somebody else, you must make that person feel worthy or special and have that value. And this has been the Jewish journey for 3,331 years. Since the first year that they left Egypt, they thought about these ideas. Jewish people live with this idea that if you don't bring dignity to something, then you have to ask yourself whether or not you're doing the right thing. So uh, you're a mom. You've been doing that for a long time, asking yourself how to best deal with your kids. And you've come to California for two of your kids' weddings. My son's bar mitzvah. Do you feel like you're reaping the fruits of your labor, of your life, of the dignity you brought to us? Um, Absolutely. I'm looking forward to a week like just overwhelming and filled with joy and happiness and for me, that's really being surrounded by my family, that at this point in my life, that's what brings me the most joy. What uh, type of things have you, do you do for yourself that bring you joy? That, that I read. You to, you know, you read. I read. I like to read. I, um, I like to go, um, like I don't jog, I jog walk. Okay, I can't. I don't want to lie, not in front of my son, but I do. I do a 45 minutes almost Keep every day. Shape. And I try, and um, I, what else do I do? Um, Sundays um, is like my day off. Sundays I spend time with one of my sisters, and we just sort of like meander around the city looking at new neighborhoods and uh, new shops. Um, I think we have to have uh, my father, Tanti, on here to say what he does to make <laughs> himself joy because it would be so polar opposite. It would totally <laughs> like uh, show us how you guys uh, are independent but connected and and how I got. But I'm, I'm here with you and 
you know, I, I always found it uh, to be one of my go-to answers. People talk about like, oh, how do you, how are you a Hasidic kid from Brooklyn? And like, at the same time, you're comfortable in San Francisco and Venice. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable in the location. I'm comfortable everywhere. I had a mom that was a Hasidic woman in Brooklyn and she seemed comfortable everywhere. Like, I never felt like we stuck out or didn't stay. We just, we lived. We were where everyone else. I would say we had... Um, a curated dose of culture from you. I wouldn't say you were everything, but it was certainly you made it accessible with the books that were in the house, uh, going to the city and going to museums and having just enough culture to realize that in the big world, that's where, you know, Jewish people, we're supposed to make our impact in the world. And in Brooklyn, and you're just in your community, you have to think about that. If you make an impact in your community, you also make the world. But the world is so out there. You don't know what it is. But in my home, I kind of knew what the world was. You were taking us around. You were shielding us. And yet here I am. I'm still living the life you wanted, even though we were exposed. So I think I've always thought that it was because you've translated these things as real joy, as like earnest joy of like opening your mind and seeing what's happening, but without losing yourself. A person who loses yourself, it's not real joy. Then it's frustration or uh, or juxtapositions and polar opposites but for you it just it all was in flow and it was all joy so that's my compliment to you that really affected me thank you <laughs> um uh we'll take a moment okay. to uh plug our first sponsor it's zlati reviews <laughs> you go on instagram and you find my mom uh zlati z-l-a-t-i reviews and she has at least 500 followers and they see that she reads literally six books a week somehow <sighs> plows those out and gives her expert reviews on those tell me about your reviews instagram how's it going mom well when i first started i just did very short two-line reviews and I figured I'm reading anyway. People always say to me, what are you reading? Is something good? So I figured I'll do it on Instagram. And then Parrots actually said to me, Mommy, make your reviews longer. I want to hear more of your voice. So uh, they're still not very long because I think people only have about a 30-second time frame where they want to look through. But I rate them with up to five red balloons. So, and people are like, oh, I only take out the five red balloons books. And that's, that's not true. There's lots of good ones that are three or four. It just, maybe it didn't resonate with me, but it resonates with other people. Well, I'll say that on when in, um, I also struggle with like how long to do a podcast. Like I'm always looking for what's the right medium. And it's been, I think lately it's, it's been less about the time and more about like, what's my message, make sure my message is getting across. And then also if I'm interviewing somebody, let it go as long as I feel the person is comfortable and things are going the way they should. Let's continue going. Because the point is I, I can't – people's attention span is what, what it is at this point. But when you look at the mediums, it's also free choice. When people know you have something there, eventually they're like, oh, when I have time, I'm going to look at those reviews. I saw she had that book when she does – when usually no one's even looking at anything you write. They see the book. They, you post it. They like it. It's done. But now when they're like, oh, I want to read that book, I wonder what Zlati's review was, they're going to go back and you're going to have an actual review. So that's what I mean like uh, um, in the podcast form, like uh, the other day I had a friend on Ross who was here talking about joy a couple months ago. And he was like, Robert, let's just talk as long as we're comfortable. And it went 45 minutes and all the feedback was from people who said, we wish you had longer podcasts. <laughs> so uh, there's something to like, you know, um, putting out the best available information and having confidence to put it out that just takes time. And, and when that happens, you know, 
people know that it's there and they can access to it. After all, it's not like we're out there saying this is what we're doing to make a living. We're just trying to put some good stuff out there. So there's well, a Well, I'm a loyal listener. So as long as the podcast is, is it 13 minutes? If it's 30 minutes, I'm there listening. <laughs> oh, I love it. Knowing that you listen means a lot to me. You, you've been, uh, you've been listening. You've been my fan. Even when I, before I had the podcast, uh, I stopped recording for a while and my mom called me up. She's like, listen, I want you to continue recording and send it to me where it was the year your father passed away. Zadie passed away and you stopped listening to music and you're like, parents, you, you got to send me your classes. And I was recording everywhere, wherever I was. I was like twice a week giving a class That's that was, right. they were over an hour and I was just recording it just for you and sending them to you every That's week. That's right. Even just the private classes, they were wonderful. Well, I, the theme of the week, Malchut, is I think it's the most important and least accessible idea. Like on Rosh Hashanah, it talks a lot about God being king. And automatically for people, it comes up as masculine and it comes up as, as dictator, all-powerful, it's just but then there's also the Shabbos Malka. Oh, and the, there you go. The queen, That's what I was going to bring fr- in. From Shabbos is the queen, so all that, all that. Uh, well, I want you to continue on royalty. this. I want I want the people listening to this to hear a little bit, like from from your perspective. I'm I think about it in masculine terms. I'm a, I'm a man. This is but I and then I try to like incorporate the people I'm talking to and bring the neutrality that it's accessible, but. You come from the same Hasidic background. Your father was a rabbi 70 years. So how do these ideas translate to you, especially when it comes to Malchut? So you started with like Shabbos Malka, the Shabbos queen. What does that mean, like to you at least? How does that translate to you? Well, the first thing, it starts when you um, light the candles. That's a, a special mitzvah for women, uh, unless a man in his house all by himself. But um, just standing there and lighting the candles and putting your hands three times around the light and and ushering in the light into the house just that is very uh it's very dignified and it it tells you you're good <laughs> you're enjoying the experience but i it listen, brings, I, it brings I, a sense of royalty into the house in that way and then um my father always used to have a special smoking jacket that he wore at the table friday night and that was his way of, of honoring the Shabbos. And that was his, it was, it was always his special clothes that he wore. And then um, uh, as, as girls, we always had maybe like a special Friday night robe that we would wear that would be special to make, to honor the Shabbos. So clothing, regal, just in center, there's a physical, you know, exterior to what you're talking about, about feeling noble in your own space, your own self. Your dad, one of one of my heroes, one of my biggest heroes, partly because I, I never got the intention that having money or not having money mattered to him at all. He was just living his life. And you told me many times about how essentially he sacrificed so much to do what he did and there wasn't a lot of money around and and you guys there never str- was. You, never. You, never not, you guys, <laughs> there you guys, never was. You guys struggled with that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it gives me a lot of strength especially I'm at my second full startup zone and starting over, starting a new life. And, and, uh, and I look at my life and I'm like, compared to that, I have such great wealth. So it gives me a lot of gratitude to have that. But, um, I, I can totally see how when you go to your childhood and you think about it and it doesn't seem like poor anymore, it seems like, you know, there was something special and something regal. That's all dignity. That's all what we're talking about. 
But we all, we always grew up, we had everything we needed, but we had an inner dignity and we also had like a very, very strong sense of purpose of who we are and what was our journey and what was our path in life. We always felt that very, very strongly from my father and that that gave us from inside, it gave us the confidence to be who we are. Instead of feeling poor, we always felt just very, very rich in our personal life and in our personal mission. It's, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's the greatest attribute there could be because you, you're, it's funny. I, I, I really, I was thinking about dignity and I was thinking about you cause you were coming today and I was like, you know, I never described my mother as happy, happy, not that she isn't happy. I just never, I, but, but like I described you as like, like dignity to me has a big smile. Like dignity is like the, at the core of gratitude, at the core of like being happy with what you have in life is when you feel dignified. It's only when you're stripped of that, that you don't feel happy and all those positive feelings feel squeezed. But the greater the dignity you have as a foundation of what you're about, which you get from your parents, or you generate by literally nonstop looking to see how your world collides with other worlds, the more you do that, the more you're able to grow in this experience. I was learning yesterday um, this mystical concept of Malchut in preparation for this. And the line that stuck with me the most was that God creates a world. There's a, there's a place of nothing to something that the template from where nothing becomes something is dignity. That there's like, all right, a free choice is going to work, essentially. Look from God's side. A free choice is going to work. That the whole idea is that you have choice to find the divine and to find the goodness in the world and to expose it. So you make a world that it's concealed and then you uncover all that. But the, but the time and place for it to work out and the, the meeting point is always going to be dignity because dignity is where worlds collide, is where you collide with the world outside of you, your personal kingdom with that. And I, and I just hear from you and I've always felt from you that, you know, you're, you're, you're my grandfather, your dad, and you have always looked at the world of like, you see the way where your world collides and you start from there every single time. It's, it's like your composure, your ability to constantly deal with things comes from like, you're just analyzing the moment. My world's colliding with this. What am I going to do right here? And uh, somehow you've also become a great multitasker at that and, 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 a, and a great book reader and an avid person and a full life. But that's how I encapsulate this mystical idea and how it played out with you and in my life. Well, also, if you, if you feel that you're doing the right thing and you feel you're making the right decisions about doing the right thing, then you hold your head up high and you have dignity with what you're doing. Well, thank you for teaching me how to do the right thing. I've always appreciated you. You were a very, very good student. I was, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. You have yeah. different, I, you think differently about your childhood when you grow up. You know, you just, you translate it differently. You think about these little moments and ask what, what were they really like for your parents having to deal with that? You know, a lot of ups and downs in life. I don't see myself as a trajectory. I just like back and forth, back and forth. Well, they, you know, uh, you used to fight a lot with your brother, and yeah. I just took a step back. I just said, "Let <laughs> let him fight, let him fight." And then eventually, uh, you were you guys were best friends at the same time that you were fighting with each other. So, um, by the way, no joke. Really... Who would have thought that after a childhood of bickering <laughs> and fighting, he's like my closest friend? You know, it's pretty awesome. Uh, that's that's a very special thing to look at my children and see that they're all 
close and connected and Loving can kids. talk with each, with each other and share with each other. Uh, that that warms my heart. Well, we're all here in Venice Beach for the weekend, <laughs> so party on. Incredible. I can't wait. I'm so excited to have you here, mm-hmm. and it really means a lot to me that you guys are all here for my son's bar mitzvah, and you bring now, such We made mom. these tickets a long time ago. That's right. That's right. The second you booked this, we made the tickets in January, Amazing. and then we had to change them, but that's okay. Hey, listen, good times, <laughs> you know? The, we're here, and we're happy, and my kids are happy to have you. And I am excited for the people to meet you here and to have an incredible uh, upcoming weekend. Same here. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. If you think this is going well, give me, drop me a rating so I get some feedback. And otherwise, thank you, Paladin Studios, for your engineering prowess. And I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Have an amazing holiday of Shavuot. It's coming up this Sunday and Monday. We will read the Ten Commandments. And uh, if I get time over the next couple of days, I'm actually going to do another podcast on Shavuot. If not, DM me and say, Rabbi, give me some Shavuot love. Word at RabbiParrots.com. Yeah.